Hello, everyone. This is Kim Langling, author, freelance writer, and your podcast host of Let Fear Bounce. Today, I welcome in my good friend, Elkie Wallace, coming to us from the United Kingdom. We're going to be talking about two books that she wrote that she never let anyone know that she wrote, albinism, neuro-linguistic programming, travel, and more. Yeah, we've got a lot going on in this episode, folks. So grab your favorite cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and let's get on with the show. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host. So glad that you could join us today. And I am very excited about my guest. I have my guest today is Elkie Wallace. And she is coming to us from the United Kingdom, from England. And she is an author, independent travel agent, data and content director of the Speakers Index, and performance and mindset coach. Her professional background is in administration and accounts. She's also trained in CBT counseling, mindfulness, NLP, and timeline therapy. She is visually impaired, a mother of one son, as she grew up in Stuttgart, Germany, moved to Scotland, and now resides, as I said just a moment ago, in England, in the United Kingdom. She did actually renounce her German citizenship to become British. So we want to give a warm welcome to Elkie Wallace. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know it's afternoon for you right now, but thanks for joining me from across that big old pond. Hello, Kim. Thank you very much for inviting me to a podcast. It's my very first podcast um, podcast interview, so I'm a bit like, ooh, <laughs> but I did <laughs> listen to your podcast, so I know how it's working, and I'm, I'm actually not that nervous. Oh, no, geez. And, and you and I work together on some joint projects, so you know me, so it, that, would, that should make it a little bit easier, too. I didn't realize this was your first podcast. Yes, it is indeed, yeah. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, and here's the thing. In your in your um, bio that you sent me, and we were talking about this off mic, I just recently learned that you were an author of two books, but you have never shared that. And even in your bio that you sent me for this podcast today, you neglected to put that in. So, first no. off, first off, and I know you've got two books, so I want to touch on that first. I want to hear about your author journey and what your books are titled, where we can find them, why you don't talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, fact is that I've, um, I've started writing when I was a kid. I always wrote stories and things from, from the time on and various things and um, about my love that I had for Asia, I think I had some China stories initially, but it's it's all like been very much me to myself and never kind of in anything public. Also my teenage years, I involved my my crushes, my musical crushes in stories and things, and yeah. which were never kind of finished stories. And um but over over the years, there was many journals and things that were always scrapped when I moved to, to another place. And those two stories that I wrote, they happened like in the early 2000s, when it was around 2000, it's about 2006 or so, and the other one around 2010. Um, 
both stories are, uh, as I keep saying, a mix of um, things that happened with different names and places, uh, a bit of wishful thinking, and quite a bit of fiction in between. <laughs> so you kind of, it started out as you were kind of journaling and it turned into a book? Yeah, well, the, there was story, initial starts of stories uh, as well, like in the 80s and 90s. But as I said, they were never kind of finished and there were never any, never anything public anyway. So, yeah. But these with these two stories, I had them lying around for uh, around, when did I publish them in Amazon Kindle? Uh, 2018, I think it was like around about June time. I just had the, the inclination to just throw them out to the public and who cares what people think, you know, I'm, I'm from from that year on, I was kind of bit, pretty much bulletproof anyway. Uh, after my NLP and timeline therapy training, I didn't care anymore what, what, what people thought about me. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a big uh, learning thing, learning point. And uh, I'm quite glad I got to that <laughs> to that bit. Well, exactly. And we, we all need to reach that because we all have those little bits that we hang on to, you know, in our mind and in our psyche telling us, uh, you're not good enough or uh, you shouldn't do that. What are you thinking? Um, I'm not trained in any of what you are trained in. And I do want to delve into that a little bit more, too. Um, but for me, I'm just stubborn. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm one of those people who's like, you know, I don't care if you'll like me or not. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm doing my thing. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bit of stubbornness as well, but I think that's that's my dad's side. That's my dad's genes that are coming through the, the, with the stubbornness. Yeah. You know, well, I think it's good to have sometimes because it, it does you well at, at certain points in your life to have that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it does do you well at certain points. So you've got these two books out in the world and you have all these other stories that you said you never did anything with. Where are those stories now? <laughs> Somewhere in the bin. <laughs> in the bin? You threw them away. Yeah, no, I've, I've always kind of, I mean, the first story was kind of the, the, the final version of what evolved over the years, what was scrapped and then restarted and scrapped and restarted and, you know, so there was there was attempts to finish something but it was never finished and whenever i moved places i kind of reduced the, the clubber i had to get with to take with me and uh, it just ends up <laughs> in the bin <laughs> <laughs> so they're not completely gone though you said that you you kind of put them all together and it culminated in that first book that first one, yeah. Okay, good, good. I, I misunderstood there. I'm thinking, why would you throw all of those away? <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> because you never know, you know, when you look back, I look back at some of the stuff I've written from years ago and think, oh, geez, you could have done that so much better. <laughs> <laughs> and I have, I actually, I personally have a book that I, I want to tweak. I want to redo and republish because I wrote it right at the be very beginning of my writing journey and mm -hmm. I was an accidental writer it just kind of started I'm not trained in it didn't go to college for it um it just kind of started so I, I'm gonna look take a look back one of these days and retweak that yeah but, do that do that <laughs> yeah I think I'm going to I think I'm going to all right so you are an author 
Claim it. Claim it, Elkie. I have my hands in the air. I know this is a <laughs> podcast and you can't see us, but my hands are in the air. Claim it. <laughs> so you are also a independent, independent travel agent, which I'm sure that's taken quite the hit since everybody in your neck of the woods, you, you guys are on your what, third lockdown, lockdown yeah, now? It's the third lockdown, yeah, yeah. Um, Goodness. The travel industry is one of the worst hit ones, along with hospitality and entertainment industry, I would claim. Um, there is not much going on. We are currently completely discouraged from traveling. Um, some people still try and sneak out, but um, I think they, they want to do more controls and things, even at airports and stuff. It's quite draconian, if, uh, if you ask me. Um, so I got into travel. I've, I always wanted to do travel. When I, when I did my job um, practice thing in year nine at school, I was actually at a company that had both a travel agency and a coach hiring company. So I was one week in the coach section and I was the second week I was in the travel agency. And in the 80s, the technology wasn't that great for visually impaired people like it is now uh, with all the like enlargement and mm -hmm. um, scroll button and all these things that we've got now that that, that wasn't there then. And all the um, travel brochures and things were really, really like small writing. And they had these microfiche things, tiny little um, things that you could put in a reader and the writing was even smaller. Right. I remember. Yes, I remember those. Oh. <laughs> they were tiny, weren't they? I mean, yes. the writing was, oh. And always was fuzzy. Always fuzzy. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So I kind of put that to the side and uh, ended up training as a judicial clerk. Um, but it kind of, it was always something I really wanted to do. And, and then uh, someone put this opportunity in front of me all these many years later. Um, the lady had joined a, a, a company that was recruiting for another company uh, called IntelliTravel. And um, IntelliTravel has been going in the States for... 26 plus years i think it's 28 this year and they have been in the uk since 2018 so they're still fairly fresh but we're growing and growing and growing and um there's a lot of training there's a lot of regulation here in the uk as well for the travel industry um it's advised that people yeah if you go into travel as a company it's advised you join apta which is the um an organization for for travel agents to give you protection and to keep the customers protection as well um and if you're a travel operator you should be uh at all protected that is the air traffic uh license um, oh, okay thing for like the caa issues those um we don't have that but we work with operators that have both and i only want to work with operators that have both especially now we get lots of trainings, uh, lots of webinars, tutorials, and uh, also other online trainings that are free of charge. So we, we can educate ourselves during the COVID times, but we still have to so, be so much on top of what's happening with right. regards to um, regulations, uh, new protocols for safety and to keep people healthy and safe. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot going on in the background there. 
Oh, I, I believe it. I believe, and it probably changes daily. Yeah, it, it, that is very well possible, yeah. If the government thinks something has to change tomorrow, they, they will tell you one day and implement it. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous, really, but that's how the governments are at the moment. Right. Yeah, I, well, yeah, and I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> better not to. <laughs> It'll ruin my day. I know. So you, that's what you do. That's kind of, I guess, your day job. You've also popped in into your and i didn't realize just quite how much you did elke so you were trained in cbt counseling mindfulness and you're also an nlp and timeline therapy is that trainer uh, pra uh, um, or practitioner practitioner yeah okay yeah. okay so cbt i don't know what that means why don't you share with That's me and the audience what that means cbt is cognitive behavioral therapy okay it um, it's a counseling approach that um, is more short-term. Um, it's, it's meant to be a short-term approach. You are meant to be sorted within six to eight sessions. That's what they think. The ones who created that are the, the way that um, it's implemented. Okay. I did the training between 2008 and 2010. And that was kind of one of the, the first rewiring of my brain, mm -hmm. um, which was very helpful, but it wasn't completely, quite completely gone. And NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, was mm -hmm. one section of our training then. And I was always like um, keen to do more of that. And in um, 2017, when I was uh, became part of one of the MLMs, they had a trainer um, doing a little workshop in the afternoon in Birmingham, and I went to that. Now this trainer trainer is called Daniel Tolson, and his assistant Luke Schultz. They did the training, and I thought they were really really good at what they were doing, and I knew that they were doing NLP training as well. At the time, I didn't have the finances. But I was approached in um, 20, yeah, later 2017 um, by Luke, who I did um, coaching with. He's, so Luke coached me, basically, and he did timeline therapy with me. And I thought, I want to do this. Yeah. It was really, really good. It was so helpful. I just felt this. It, it was amazing. And I was determined to do the training. And I jumped onto it um, in 2018 in April. And I risked all that I did my full credit card amount that I had to, you know, um, available. So I used all that up. I put myself into debt for that. And um, it was so, so much worth it. I just feel bulletproof now. <laughs> That's absolutely wonderful. So did you, did you take the training for yourself personally or, and, or did you take the training because you want to help other people with that? Well, it was initially, <clears throat> excuse me, it was initially as well because I wanted to to help other people. But um, I don't know, I didn't probably market myself too well um, and, and the services. I wasn't quite sure of what to do and how to do it and things. And um, that's probably why I got stuck. And then the travel came along and I, of course I jumped on that because it was actually something I always wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I was jumping around a bit. 
Yeah, well, you know, and I think that we all do. I've done the same darn thing over my lifetime. <laughs> but you have all of that background knowledge that you can continue to grow on, and you never know where that's going to take you. Yeah, very true, yeah. Because I we're, mean, we're continuously the mindfulness, growing. Mindfulness is something that is so helpful right now. You know, in, oh, in yes. a time when you don't know what's going to happen and it's like, okay, one day at a time, one day at a time, one bit at a time, you know. Right. It's almost like you can, you've, you've got, you have armor in place now that you can pull on Absolutely. and off at will and yes. you, don't, you don't have to let things. And see, that's the whole mental image that I had about this, this podcast and how the words let fear bounce came to me. That's my mental image of we've, we've got to have our armor on each day to let all of that fear and negativity and all those poison darts that everybody's tossing around the world at each other to let it all bounce. Because if you let that land on you, your days are going to be horrible and there's nothing you can do personally to change what someone, you know, or an organization or a government is doing you can't let all of that just land on you and just eat you away. That's, that's the whole reason I came up with let fear bounce. Um, and I love how you said, you know, now you just, you've, especially since this pandemic, you know, gosh, over a year now or almost a year, a full year, yeah. almost, um, you have your armor, you've, you've got your, your tools in place. So you're not, so you don't let it yeah. bring you yeah. down, let you sink because it certainly could let you sink if if you let it. If you didn't have oh, some yes. sort of something in place to let it bounce, you could certainly sink. That is for sure. Absolutely, and I think that's why why we've got so many mental health issues, and it's got it's growing and growing. It's a, a mental health pandemic, I would say. Um, yeah, it's very frightening, isn't it? The, the yeah. and I just I just read little bits and pieces here and there about it, but the numbers just continue to rise, mm -hmm. and it's it's very disturbing. It's very disturbing because so many, so many people are now isolated Yeah. and you know, myself included, I'm, I'm pretty isolated. You know, I'm working from home. It's me and my dog. And if I didn't have certain things in place, mental barriers in place, it would be very difficult some days. Yeah. You know, yeah. And if you don't have your armor on every day, <laughs> it would be very difficult. So oh, yeah. I want to ask you, and I know it, you just briefly mention it in your bio that you are visually impaired now yes. in, in what way and was that something you were born with or did something happen in your lifetime that that caused that no i was born with it um i have albinism which i'm covering up to some extent like with my hair i mean you can see it because you're on the zoom um but people can't see it in the podcast i've, I've actually got like white hair white eyebrows and oh okay like and there are two types of albinism. You've got one albinism is only affecting the eyes and another, the second type that is affecting eyes and skin. And I've got the second one. And then one of the first things my mom heard after I was born is like, she's blind. But I wasn't, I wasn't blind. I was just kind of not reacting well to the light. It was probably too bright or something. I can't sure. remember that bit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's uh, yeah, that was always something that stuck in my mind because my mom, uh, my parents had been told that that, that I was blind. But uh, I am um, 
visually impaired due to the albinism, um, which is linked a bit to photophobia, like being um, sensitive to light, to very bright light. And the other thing is my eyes, they go a bit like back and forth. So that's called nystagmus. Okay. And um, that's, I don't see things wobbling. My brain um, kind of corrects that. It used to be worse when I was younger, but it's kind of, it's, it's steadied. Uh-huh. So that's my visual impairment. So I don't know how it is to have good sight. It is normal for me. And it's right. difficult to explain to people, you know, when they have good sight, like, okay, how is that? How do you, how do you see things? Well, hmm. It's a bit like, you know, a panoramic view uh, of, of things. Like I see things further, smaller and further away, maybe that you have a closer focus in your sight. That's probably the best way I can explain it because I, I don't have a comparison. <laughs> Right. Well, right. No. And that, I think that's a great explanation that that gave me a visual picture mm -hmm. of. So is it clear or blurry? No, it's it's clear. Um, I have to say my right eye is starting to be a little bit cloudy. So that's probably a bit cataract coming. Is that common? Is that common with with albinism? I don't know. Um, I would just think that's something age related anyway, but I have no idea. It's just there, and it's, I just noticed it. Um, it started about like yeah, last year. Oh, okay. So, having that, um, well, I don't even want to. I don't want to call it a disability. I don't really like that word. No, me neither. <laughs> um, disadvantage. I guess I don't. You know, yeah. and please don't take that negative. I'm just really no, no, constantly no. trying to come no. up with the word. But growing up, growing up as a young child and going to school and that, how did that affect you or friendships or were you picked on? And Yeah, yeah, of course. When you've got like bright white hair and things, you stand out to get, um, you get uh, like, it's like verbal, verbal attacks. I wasn't attacked like in a physical way, but verbal attacks. And um, I was quite anxious as a kid. Um, to some extent, I would maybe say it could have been genetic because my mom was a very anxious person. But I was I was a very anxious person as well. Like people didn't let me do things. My parents were very protective. Were like, no, you can't do this. You don't see that. Well, how can they say you don't see this if they don't have the same sight as me? Right. Um, but it, they were very, you know, oh no, can't do this. Don't do that. And I. At some point, started rebelling against them, did things anyway, and only told them afterwards that I did stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's normal. That's normal kid behavior, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I was, um, I was very anxious, and with regards to friendships, and I had my school friends and things, but I didn't have many people, and um, I wasn't very well. I was very careful with people, um, even then. I, I had a phase when I was more trusting, but that got me in trouble um, yeah. with regards to relationships and stuff like that. And sure. yeah, uh, so not not wanting to go there very right. much, but that it was uh, it wasn't it wasn't very uh, very nice, you know, much of uh, yeah being taken advantage of and yeah, it wasn't too great, but. Um, so, you know, I, I can now see, you know, hearing more of your story, 
And that, and thank you so much for sharing because oh, you're welcome. Because it's really not, it's not an easy thing to do. You're very and, welcome. I've, I've, I used to be very reluctant of talking about that. So sure. As I'm, as I'm okay now, I'm sorted, rewired, and all that. Right. No, uh, I was going to say, quite fine. I'm quite fine talking about it. The the training that you got, the CBT counseling and the mindfulness and the NLP um, and timeline therapy practitioner status that you have, it gives me a better picture of how helpful and how you said, you know, how it really, it's really, it was really helpful for you. I, I, you need to share your story more, dear. I really think that you do. Um, <laughs> I'm all about sharing stories. And I honestly, I, I was not expecting to hear that story today. And I'm, I'm glad that you shared it. I am really glad that you shared it. <laughs> Truly, because it does take courage. And I think a lot of time, People are too afraid to share their story because it makes them feel vulnerable. And when you mentioned you had anxiety, there's so many people living with anxiety that will never acknowledge it or they just try and power through it. And, you know, I was the same way for years and I never, you know, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. due, to, due to an incident, you know, I had um, while I was in the military but I suppressed that for a good many years, 12, 13 years, because I thought I was strong enough and I could power through it, those anxiety attacks and the nightmares at nighttime. Mm. But it does, there does come a point in time where you can't hold them back because they're not meant to hold, to be held back. The fact is as well, if you, if you do hold them back, if you do hold them back, it might affect you physically. Oh, exactly. This thing of, you know, or just physical health and mental health is two separate things. No, no, no. They no. are connected. <laughs> they are connected. What what affects one side can affect the other side. I'm passionate about that bit. Um, you know, because it does. Um, I've got own experiences that showed it. And um, I know that if you, if you hold on to anger, fear, guilt, hurt, and um, sadness... It can really, really harm you physically. That's what the timeline therapy does. It can it can help you kind of um, neutralize these these strong emotions. No, I I found that out the hard way when I had you know suppressed so many things for so many years. I was at the point where I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating. When I did try to eat, it made me sick, and I had lost over twenty five pounds. Wow! I, I am a tall, thin person. Always have been. Mm -hmm. And for my frame to lose 25 pounds, I looked skeletal. Mm. I looked awful. Um, so, oh, I firmly believe stress, <laughs> anxiety, and all of that, your mental health and your physical health, they go hand in hand. Definitely hand in hand. Absolutely. And, and I've been taking it upon myself to to get to learn, to learn more about certain things. And I did go to counseling uh, through the VA here, the Veterans Administration, and that mm -hmm. has, has been tremendously helpful. And they do use um, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. Right. And as soon as you mentioned, as soon as you said it out loud earlier, I was like, oh, yeah, duh, I knew what that meant. <laughs> I knew what that meant because I've been through it. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. But 
I think it's great that uh, that you have all this as your background. And you did you did you purposely take those courses because you wanted to work through things from your past, or you took them just because you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Let me look into it. Or did you you know consciously have an idea of why you wanted to take them? I don't know. I think it started with because I had a bit of postnatal depression. Okay. And, um, I didn't. I didn't kind of work on that. I only got to the point that I knew that I had it when I um, I came out of the counselling skills course. That was the first lot that I've done, and um, part of that was a bit of therapy. And um, the, the therapist, she she kind of indicated that I wasn't quite. I didn't quite um, believe it at the time, but then I turned into kind of strange behaviors and things. And then I read in a book, in a self-help book, that um, uncharacteristic behaviors, if you take them on, that could be a sign as well, that that um, it could have been like postnatal depression. And um, yeah, so I accepted that. And that then, then I embarked on the, on the CBT course. Okay. Um, I thought initially, yeah, it could be useful to, to become a counsellor, but then it, I was put off by the fact that they're very much relying on the techniques. You cannot share anything about yourself in your own way, which could be helpful. Um, you're not meant to do that at all. And I thought, well, coaching would be really better because I read about coaching at the time that you, you can share a bit more as yeah. well. <laughs> And so I moved away from the counselling and there was, um, yeah, other things happening. I think it was around about the time just before I moved down to the Midlands because I made friends here and I was um, separating with my, uh, my son's dad for the second, second time because it just didn't work out. I, I found myself in these years, 2028 till 2010, 2011 even, um, that's that's when I kind of discovered who I was, why I was who I was, what made me like that, and um, the the events that kind of got me to the point where I was in time. I understood myself a lot more. I think that's so, amazing. You've had an amazing journey, and you've overcome an awful lot. I and have. You yes, you have. <laughs> And that, that takes tremendous strength. And I think a lot of us, myself included, you don't recognize it in, in, as a strength until you look at it in hindsight. You know, I, I look back years and I've had so many people say, you know, they, they look at me and they see this strong, confident person. And there are times I want to chuckle and just laugh out loud and say, you have no idea, (laughs) but it does take, and I I often tell people, because I do, I do a lot of um, speaking in my local area, sharing my personal story, and I never thought that it would help someone. I initially started doing it to help myself. I was encouraged to share it, and as I was sharing it, I realized, my goodness, in the middle of a storm, there's tremendous strength. and But you never see it as strength until you're out the other end. You know, you're looking at it in hindsight and you're going, wow, what a 
Well, I'm just going to be honest. What a shit storm that was that I was just in. And I still came out and I'm still standing. That takes strength. And it's physical strength and mental strength. And all of the trainings and stuff that you have done and the things that you've gone through from growing up simply because of your, how do you pronounce that? Albinoism? No, it's albinism. 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 <laughs> I'm just I'm just making up my own words today, Elke. <laughs> so I mean, growing up with that though, right there, and this please don't take this negative, but it's almost like you had a check against you. Because no one probably no one knew anything about it and you were so different and people are afraid of something that's different. And so they lash out in mean negative ways. Yeah. Yeah, I def de definitely is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the time as well, when when I grew up and uh, yeah, when my parents found out, I was um, I had albinism or I was an albino. Um, they didn't know very much, apart from that the fact that it's genetic, that is um, recessive genes and stuff. Okay. Um, I didn't know much until 1995 when they, when I started working at the um, at, at uh, this financial wider field of financial services company um, as an admin person. Um, the boss there, she was interested in what I was what I had. She was interested in in, in that albinism background, and she found out a few websites. And only since then, I know a bit more about it and that it is recessive. And it's like I carry the gene. I can. I've, I've passed it on to my son and only if my son has some, a partner uh, maybe in years to come um, that has a recessive gene as well in them then it could happen again but it's not you know it, it may be it may be not right that's how it that's works actually, that's that's incredibly interesting because I I personally don't know anything about it either <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm probably going to look more into it just because now I'm interested <laughs> and you know what that's a that's a story that's a story all in itself uh yeah. miss author that you are hint <laughs> hint suggestion poke, poke. <laughs> can, you, can you tell i'm tossing these little tossing those little darts at you hint hint <laughs> because yeah, no, I, you know, people, that's a very people for another book <laughs> why not that's my question why not yeah i mean think of the people not only those that have albinism, but their parents, their family members, their friends. I mean, they all need it. The ones that aren't educated on something and they see something different, they lash out in sometimes or a lot of times mean in negative ways. To me, that's a way. If you're sharing that story, a way to educate future generations. You know, and then uh, to me, I'm all about, you know what, let's toss out whatever we can to make the world a better place, you know, and yeah. even sharing this, sharing your story here on this podcast, I know darn well, I don't know who it's going to be that's going to listen to it, but they're going to hear it. And all of a sudden a light bulb's going to go off and they're going to go, oh, oh, <laughs> you know, so it was worth it to me. Yeah. So, you know, to me, it was worth you sharing your story. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's fun. It's fun, Kim. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> fun to come on here. I'm really glad that you did because I seriously that it, it's fascinating to me it, simply because I don't know enough about it. I'm not one that would ever judge 
or be mean or negative to someone simply because they looked different. Yeah. But that's just me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an awful lot out there who would. And yeah, I'm all about educating people and just tossing those nuggets of goodness out there. I am so glad that you joined me today. Really, truly, I am. This has been an absolute joy. Um, and I've learned a lot about you personally that I didn't know. And I've known you for, I don't know how long, maybe a year, almost a year now. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's about right, yeah. And look at all the stuff I learned about you. <laughs> you, keep, you keep a tight lid on stuff, lady. I do, yeah, I do, I do. Um, I think, you know, it's a bit like what you said earlier, um, that I didn't think that it might be interesting or that it might be helping someone or, you know, along those lines. That's, yeah. Oh gosh, you've got, you've got so much, so (laughs) much in your background, not only the knowledge, but, but your, your life story and you put those two together, you have an awful lot to educate people on and help people on. You really do. You've got an amazing story there. And that's all I have to say on that. (laughs) So there. (laughs) Well, again, thank you, Elkie, for joining me on Let Fear Bounce. I would absolutely love to have you back on. And when you come back on, you can tell me all about the new book that you're going to (laughs) write. There is actually uh, there's, there is a half a half a third story finished. It's not finished as finished, but um, I have to change a few bits and bobs where I kind of got a little bit muddled up. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's a bit longer than the other two. Uh, but you way, are you you are working on something now, right? Um, I'm, I haven't been working on it since 2012. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's been long enough, Elkie. Get back at it. <laughs> yes, boss. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for being with me. And I would love to have you on again if you're open to that in a few months. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I'll so I'll be coming your, back. now your first, your first podcast is in the can. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Elgin. Have a wonderful day. And you too, Kim. That was good fun. <laughs> <laughs>